the truth. Good evening, good evening, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to another Thursday night. Get right. Mr. Demetrius Knuckleseal and me, Mr. Thomas Free Me. Coming back tonight, I, uh, again, as always, I pray that everybody's week was blessed. Um, everybody is safe, happy, healthy. Um, your bellies are full and that you are comfortable for a great show that we got tonight. Very important show. So I hope you guys tune in. With that, I will pass it over to my ever so wonderful, Gracious co-host, Mr. Demetrius Knuckles Ale. All right, all right. All right. Uh, we first want to thank everybody that is tuning in. Because as he said, it's going to be a dynamic show. And we just want to pray that everyone is in the best of health. And for those who are not, we pray for them. Those who are sick or shut in, we pray for them. And again, we about to have a dynamic show and you all can comment as we go along, if you so wish. Amen, blessings for that. So with that being said, man, how was your week? Uh, man, you know, funerals. Yeah. You know, we just have an Earl funeral. Then we had Dan, uh, Danny Boy funeral, which was, I mean, jam-packed powerful man uh had a lot of people there people from united nations and it was just it was just a wonderful showing man uh and now i have another funeral for the young man that uh made a mistake and shot himself in the head uh a couple sundays ago 15 year old so i have his funeral uh monday mm. But God is good old. either way, man. Hey, man, is he? He's he's the one with the plan, man. He knows what he's doing. You know, it's it's just like what we talk about. I just gotta make sure that I I fit inside that plan somewhere, man, and just can't can't let these things shake me anymore, like like I used to, you know. And just just know that at the end of the day, my two feet are still here, my lungs are still moving, my heart is still breathing, beating, and and as long as I'm still breathing. I can continue these messages for these soldiers that have paved the way for us to continue. You know what I mean? That's right. <clears throat> so tonight we're going to be talking about relationships, prison wow. relationships of, of individuals inside and outside. You know, we're going to cover both aspects of it because a relationship is a relationship and it's all you know, the, the mentality of what we go through inside, dealing with abandonment, um, dealing with a variety of, of issues, uh, but specifically speaking about relationships. Um, is there any specific relationship that you had that you'll always remember? Uh, the relationship that I had was the brotherhood that I had, those are the relationships that, uh, mm -hmm. man, you can't put a price on that brotherhood right there because when there was no family there, there was no brother, no sister, no mother, father, aunt, uncle, or grandparent there. It was that guy that was walking the yard with you, man. And, and I, I always give it up to these brothers, man, because they the one who carried a whole lot of us through that time. You know, one thing I see about you, partner, is when, when you reflect on these things, you, um, you, you become very humble. You know what I mean? Like, your whole body language just, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost to the, and I know what that is, is because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, that's paying homage to the fact that there are individuals that are there and the reason you are who you are today possibly even alive and breathing going through what you've went through. And, and when we speak on these individuals, man, like words can't even carry the, the weight of respect that we have for these people. And that's what people don't understand. You know, when you, 
When you literally are in the mud and the trenches, you've been already thrown away. You've been considered trash. You've been considered the lowest scum of the earth. And you run into someone who found value in you. And they pour into you a certain knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that will allow you to somehow, if you just grasp it, grow. And when you run into those type of individuals and you find that they're real, this is not some ploy. This is not some prey. They literally live off the food that they feeding you. So you know it's good because you can see them growing. So they feeding you that food. You can't do nothing but be grateful for it because there was a time when you was hungry. Your belly was touching your backbone. Nobody could feed your spirit. Nobody tried to feed your spirit. Or if they did, they was imposing something on you as opposed to introducing something to you. For those that don't know and, and, and are joining us, you know, for the first time, this is this is Demetrius Knuckleseal, and and what makes this human being that you're looking at right here so unique and so profound is this is a this is an individual that spent his a large majority of of his later childhood, his late teens, up until his adulthood in prison, right? So a lot of his his formations of the man that you see now comes from incarceration not society. That is what's so unique and special about individuals like him because their whole thought process is, is one that has been formed from incarceration, not societal incarceration, but, but you know, this, this prison industrial system. It's, this, is why, this is why I created the show that I, I created, to bring individuals like this to light, to bring the mindset of us type of individuals so that the public can see the depth of thought that we've put not only into ourselves, but how we can contribute to life, you know, and, and that is, um, and this is an individual right here that you're looking at that could have possibly still been in prison right now if it wouldn't have been for the Supreme Court overruling. This gentleman right now is still be in prison. Now, I, I'm sorry, I just, you know, I just want the, the viewers, the listeners to really understand the, the weight of not only who you are and your words, but what, what it is that we're talking about, you know, because that touches me because it's the same brotherhood for me, right? Because there, were, there have been times where when we're talking about relationships, I missed jail. That's what's so important about, especially when we're talking about recidivism, I missed right. jail. I missed being around these individuals, not only because of the fact of, of who they were and, and the element of the brotherhood in that, like we were, all, we were all menace to societies and we kind of bonded within that, but the fact that they were so deep and they were teaching me things that I wasn't understanding and learning out on the street, like, and I started I started thriving for that knowledge. There would be times where, again, we'd tell, I would go out and catch a charge, a weed charge or something like that and be happy to go to jail. And I would joke with the homeboys like, man, I'm going to kick it with, with, with Bobo for a little while. You know, I'm going to go right. hang out with Bobo for a couple of weeks. This charge is a bullshit charge. I'll just go to jail, sit in jail for a couple. But internally, I, I'm craving to go back before that relationship. Nobody understands that, man. Uh, I'm telling you, these are conversations that I have on a daily basis with people because uh, society, society tends to believe because they have been taught and trained and indoctrinated to believe that guys go into prison and we click up together only to become a worse criminal if we should get out. But they don't understand that. First of all, one of the reasons that one of the things that led us to prison was the lack of a fam fam familial structure. So we mm -hmm. found ourselves hanging with guys in the streets, 
doing whatever guys did in the streets. Now, we found ourselves in prison, whether we did it or not, but we found ourselves in prison around guys that we found out to be men. So we looking mm -hmm. around like, this can't be real. So now we like, okay, if that's real, I'm about to absorb some of this knowledge. So we start absorbing some of this knowledge and we start attending these schools of thought on the yard, walking yard every day in the weight pit, in the school, uh, child hall, wherever we at. We find ourselves absorbing some knowledge, wisdom and understanding that's uh, slowly allowing us to grow and we growing and we not even knowing that we growing. That's the beauty of it. And society mm -hmm. thinks that we got up in there, like you say, you, you caught this charge and you went up in there. Yeah, you might have went up in there for the wrong reason. But while you was up in there, you've been schooled and taught and fed. That's the part they don't get. That's the stigma of that they attach to us when they say they go to prison just to become worse criminals. No, that's not the truth. Furthest thing from the truth. But that's 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 the story they got to spin in order to keep the money flowing in, you know. Hey, but so. You let me ask you this, and if I get too personal or anything like that, just just you know whatever. But on, were you me. were you a virgin when you went inside? <laughs> no, man, I was way far from that. So was, at what uh, age? What age did you go in? I went in at seventeen. Okay. Uh, I had already had a son that had passed away at all about that time and just talking about him today because uh today is the what the 15th next week next friday will be 33 years ago that he passed away mm. so i had already been into you know uh the the women and the girls and just my lifestyle dictated that type of uh outcome for me 17 years old and you 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 are already living a man's life you've already had a child and experienced the death of a child and you're still a child yes and so now just think of that just think of what you just said so now here i am i'm a young child who've already experienced the death of a child. By the time I went to prison, I had been shot multiple times. I had been told that I probably wouldn't come out of paralysis on my left side. Probably wouldn't be able to walk again without a limp. I don't walk with a limp at all. I overcame paralysis in 10 days flat. I checked myself out of the hospital. I went to prison for 28 years. I overcame obstacle after obstacle, overcame anger issues, depression issues. Uh, and yet here I am, the one guy that they threw away, the one guy that the system traumatized so much from early on, even while I was in the, uh, my mother's stomach, the one guy that they traumatized so much and they just knew it amount to, amount to nothing. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> so the blessing is in the lesson. You know, and the lessons that I was taught blessed me and carried me through something to get to something. That's why I'm here. And, and you have every and you have every right to feel like you have no hope and you have every right, given your experiences to to have given up. You know what I mean? On society, on on everything. And like you say, yet here you are still trying to give back to the community that has shitted on you so much. Do you know how easy it is? Just like you say, I have a right to just be the way, any way that I dictate myself to be. But do we know, do society know how easy it could be for us to say, I'm out of prison, out the hell with everything else, I'm out. <laughs> and hell for everybody else. But that's not why we was born. See, we didn't know why we was born when we was engaged in criminal activity and when we went to prison and we furthered that uh, spi uh, that downward spiral. We didn't know. 
it wasn't until we got to the bottom of that spiral that we looked up and we seen those hands reaching down for us saying, come on, man, I've been trying to teach you this for the longest. Come on, man, I know you're hungry. Let me feed you. And so we grasped that hand and that hand pulled us up from that dark place, fed us. We seen ourselves getting better. We stopped using certain languages that we used prior to going down. And now we say, you know what? The same way that them guys pulled me out of that hole, I'm about to pull somebody else out because they didn't pull me out for nothing. They didn't pull me out for me. They pulled me out because they wanted me to pull somebody out and so on and so forth. That's how this go. So the blessings that have been bestowed upon me ain't blessings for me. They blessings for me to give away. And that's how we have, we have to look at it that way. Otherwise, man, we're going to fall by the wayside. So the, the, the reason I, I was asking that is, is you had you, so you've had experience with, with relationships going into prison. How did that affect you going in with a life sentence? You know, like some juveniles, they'll go in, they've never really experienced that. So you don't know, you don't miss what you don't know, but you, you've already experience that how did you process that going in with a life sentence it was it was hard but again man when you I, I i was fortunate because my female family members all of them i got a lot of female family members they stayed in contact with me i mm -hmm. mean from day one to the literally the day i walked out my favorite cousin was standing right there she was there 28 years ago. She was there the day I got out and I lived with her when I got out. But it wasn't just her, it was so many aunts and other cousins that visited me. My little cousin, Wolanda. And so they kept me abreast of womanhood. I never knew how to carry on a relationship. I was young. Right. I was only doing what I seen other people do, not knowing the right or wrong of it. I was only doing what the other guys was, was doing. Right. So I wasn't even intelligent enough to understand what I was doing. I just knew that I was doing what they was doing. But my cousins taught me this stuff because I, I had to watch them grow up. I always been protective of all my female cousins and my aunts. So I'm watching my little cousins grow up. They got children now. I wish I was there to beat up their boyfriends or, or scare their boyfriends. I wasn't there. But these are the lessons that was handed down to me on visits. Mm. So that's how I learned about relationships. Now, I didn't come in knowing nothing about it. I learned about it while I was in prison, and I really learned about it coming out here. I learned a lot, a lot, a lot of lessons, boy, I tell you. And they were yeah. some hard lessons. And that's and that's something for the public to really understand about us, me as well. Like I, because I was in and out of jail so much, I missed so many so many events. I mean, I, I was, uh, I didn't have a twenty first birthday. I was in prison for my thirtieth birthday. I was in prison for my fortieth birthday. So I never really, I was never in place long enough to form any kind of long lasting relationships with anyone. You know right. what I mean? And so with that being said, I had no experience in married life, settled life, or, or how to sustain a relationship in any kind of length or period. And I'm still that way. And, and this, is, this is something that us coming out, especially as grown men, and these women are like, man, you've been in prison all this time. You don't have your shit straight yet. Like, lady, you don't even know. <laughs> you have no clue what, what, what's even going on. Right? right. But again, it's. It's these expectations that because we're a certain age or maybe we show a certain articulateness, a, a certain intelligence, that these individuals expect that we're supposed to be at a certain level. And when we're not, right, it, it's like they, they become dysfunctional or something, you know? Man, tell you something. I don't listen to a lot of people because... Is, is my volume going up? 
You sound perfect to me. Okay, good. So I don't listen to a lot of people, man, because if it's one thing that I've learned being out here, and I would I was told this coming out to be prepared for what I'm about to say now. Man, people gonna say some of the off the wall is stuff to us because they feel like we should know. And all we saying is that you you usually say it takes a man to admit that he don't know. <laughs> so now we admit that we don't know. We're we being crucified. Tell him. But the fact remains is that if we were away from society for one year, that means that whatever happened in society in that one year, we are ignorant of. Mm-hmm. We have to learn about. Now, when it comes to technology and we're away for this amount of time, we don't know. We have to learn. When it comes to the change of in guard of how, for it's a perfect example is how women, before I went to prison, women was uh, in a different position. They played a different position, right? Mm-hmm. When I, while I'm in prison, I'm hearing that these women, man, they out here, they like me and uh, they aggressive. Amen. They, they I'm telling back. you. They this, I'm they that. I'm telling you. So how was I supposed to know how to interpret this when I get out other than by what I was told, not by actual experience? So I had to come experience that women are on a whole different level now. Women think differently. So the relationships that I had to come form on the way out of prison and getting out of prison was different now because I never once seen women in control the way they are today. Mm. So I didn't know what to expect. I heard about it, but when I experienced it for myself, I had to be on guard a little bit more protective of myself. You know what I'm saying? So this is kind of what society don't understand. They just think that we supposed to know. We don't know. And that's what we keep telling you. We don't know, but I'm willing to learn. They can't, (laughs) they can't understand that time gap because they've never experienced that time gap for them. It's, it's, it's uncomprehensible. They cannot understand a time gap of 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Yeah. Right. They, they, it's, it's, it's just irrelevant to them. We, when we go in, we're stuck at the same time all we can do is just reflect on the memories that we have because we're not producing no new memories right so all we can do this is why you'll see dudes that'll have a million pictures of everything that they had up on the board and they'll tell a million stories about all the stuff that they had because they don't have anything else to talk about right that's all of us that's the sadness of this and we're stuck in that for however long our sentence is and then we come back out into this society that expects us to pick everything up in a couple of weeks and get our grind on, you know? <laughs> so, so when we get out, you know, people would say, man, you got a memory like an elephant. No, I don't. It's mm. just that what you just said, we were stuck in a, we were stuck in a uh, time lapse. Mm-hmm. So we was frozen in time to where every memory that we had leading up to that moment that we're frozen in time, we remember. Because like you just said, there's no new memories being made. Ain't no new pictures of me and family at the family reunion being made. Me and me and my cousin and the girls down the street playing hide and seek. Ain't none of that. Nope. We only only get to hear about it. Right. So now the only thing that we have to hold on to is those moments in time that we did play the games up the street, ride the bikes, uh, do whatever we did. We have those moments and those are the pictures that we keep in our mind. And then people in society wonder why guys in prison always want pictures. (laughs) Because that's how we keep a relationship alive. The thought is the cause of it all. We say, send me some pictures. You ain't even got to send me no money, man. Just send me some pictures. Send me some pictures, man. I just want to stay connected. That's the And I would sit there, man, I would sit there, D, and I would look at them pictures. I'd lay in my, in my bed and just, I'd have them up on the top of my, because my, I had the bottom bunk, so I'd have them on my bunk. 
and I would just be living it, just picturing myself in these pictures. A picture of my daughter on the beach, and I would just sit there and just, man, my mind for hours, just look at that picture, man, and be like, yeah. man, I just can't wait until I can just kick that water with her. You know what I'm <laughs> right. saying? And And it's just, but going back into the topic, right? Same thing with these pictures. Having a relationship outside, my the the mother of my child, you know, and 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 the disconnect that was happening with that, with her abandoning me and and me not wanting to let go and all of that, and these pictures coming, and these pictures can be just as crucifying as well. You yeah. know what I mean? Especially if we see something in the picture that don't line up, because I'm looking at every detail in this picture. Every. You told, you told me that you took this picture at Nancy's house. Well, wait a minute. I've been at Nancy's house, and Nancy ain't never had no table like that. Who was that guy and, in the background? You know what I'm saying? Or those are men's shoes back there. Yeah. Right? All kinds of stuff like that. But how do we, as inmates, deal with knowing that our women are falling from us? They're growing tired. They're growing weary. They come into the visitation. You start, you start seeing a different change in them in the visitation. They start becoming more frustrated with the process. You know what I mean? And, and you know, more irritable. They start leaving a little bit sooner. They start making excuses as to why they can't come. You're calling. They're not answering the phone no more. How, how do we deal with that, man? I, I, I'm just going to say this here, man. That's called growing up. And sometimes people grow apart and absence make the heart finder. Mm. You know, sometimes, you know, we see people, they frustrated with the process. They supposed to be frustrated with the process, but the process is meant, the system is meant to break us apart. That's, you supposed to be frustrated with the process. Bingo, that's one. But you're not supposed to allow the system to break you, break that connection that you have based on your frustration. Your frustration is supposed to make you want to do more, make give you more courage to stand up against it, stand up with whoever it is you're going to see. But what ends up happening is that our relationships fall apart because family can't visit us too. Uh, no more because they we too far away uh family can't visit us no more because or don't visit us no more don't write us no more because we don't write not realizing that we depressed man i'm trying to figure out how the hell i got here how the hell i'm gonna deal with being here and how the hell i'm gonna get out of here those are my thoughts three great thoughts how i got here how i'm gonna deal with while i'm here and how the hell i'm gonna get out of here I'm not concerned with uh, no. Now those pictures is gonna help me. Mm-hmm. Those pictures, gonna, those letters gonna help me. But because I can remember a time that I didn't write home for a few years, and I really did, man. And when they had the uh, JPay system in place, I had I finally went on JPay and I had a list of letters, right? And I told my family and people. I said, yeah, uh, I'm still here. I'm, I'm good. I just been having to deal with me. And that's what people don't understand, man, is that I understand you frustrated, but if you frustrated on the outside, imagine how I feel on the inside, but I got to mm-hmm. be strong. I'm trying to give you courage. I'm trying to give you an inspiration to just stay strong and and trust the process because i have to trust the process i may not like the system or nothing but it's that system that's gonna i gotta go through to get out right so i have to put some trust in the system because that's the system that i'm not gonna get out no other way they're not walking me out the back door i gotta walk out through the parole board saying or through the court one way or the other so i have to put some type of trust in in those uh those mechanisms right and that's what our the people on the outside don't understand. We can hate it as much as possible. But if that's mm. the way, but if that's the door that I got to go through to get there, then please wait at the door for me. Mm-hmm. Help me tear down the door or something. 
So with, with all of these emotions that we expressed during our incarceration, let's, let's touch a little bit on the, the homosexuality that goes on inside of prison and why some men turn to it and, and act like they're not part of it, right? These, these individuals where they, they turn to it, we've all seen it, the individual where they're sneaking off to the room, and then you'll see them out at visitation later that weekend with their family members, their wife, things like that. What, what, do, you, what do you think, or, or how do I want to phrase this? Like, what, what is it that makes a, a person do that? fall fall to that right am i asking this correct you know what i'm trying to ask what would make a man look at another man as if it was a female and i'm i'm i'm, I'm, I'm gonna be straight up here uh because this is a conversation that i had many times and it's a difference between a guy who play the gangster role, play the street tough guy role and play these uh these type of roles and then they go in there. Now if they if they was into that, they just into that. That's mm -hmm. one that's one thing. That's one thing. I'm not judging nobody. If you like it, more power to you. We're not that's talking right. about you. We're talking right. about the guy with the chest stuck out, with the mean mug looking face and always the tough talker, you know, too tough for TV. Now what would make him what will make him break down? Because he was curious and he was weak. And out of, his, out of his curiosity, he explored his weakness. Because he was, you know, curious about, man, this old, because I had a friend. This guy was so homophobic, I knew he was gay. Mm -hmm. He was so homophobic. And sure enough, he came out gay because he was so homophobic. And I, I never really been homophobic. I don't play them games. Right. But I'm not, I can hug my homeboy. He gay. I, that's his business. That ain't mine. And, 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 and let me say this, man. And I always say this. The, the gay people in prison, man, these are some of the most straight up convicts that I've ever dealt with, like these people keep it real. You know what I mean? They keep it real. These people are straight up convicts. And I used to do a lot of business with gay people inside. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So, and see, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying is that I never, I never wanted to try to judge them, mm -hmm. you know, because man, I hate to be judged especially wrongfully. That's why a lot of us are stigmatized to this very day because we've been wrongfully judged. We've been thrown away. We've been said that we scum of the earth, et cetera. And these are the titles that's going upon these, the uh, people who engage in whatever gender uh, relation they uh, attach themselves to. And so the guys that's going in there who end up delving into that, world we stigmatize them not because they engage simply engage in homosexuality not for that reason they're stigmatized and they're criticized because they once stuck their chest out like they was tough and they not into that and they once talked about them people and they once put down them people and they once said i'll never be like them people and made those people look so terrible and now they right there with them that's why we talk about these cats not because they just gay no we're not going against no that's their life we don't have to agree with it but we have to respect whatever route they choose for themselves. But mm -hmm. those guys who played a tough role and talked about those, the uh, homosexuals, these are the guys that we cannot respect mm -hmm. because they don't show respect for themselves. They degraded people and they became, they showed themselves to be hypocrites. Simple.
So, so what are some signs that women would see in a man like that, where she's coming and she's visiting a man, maybe she's meeting him, maybe she's planning on bringing this man home into her house to meet her children and be married and all that, but yet he's having these type of activities on the compound. That's <laughs> great. Because I remember my little friend, this is no, I'm not exaggerating. We was on the yard. And uh, we was outside on the yard. We weren't together, but we was outside at the same time. And he was walking around the yard holding hands with the, uh, his boyfriend or girlfriend. I don't know which one was which. Mm. So they called him for a visit. He let go of his hand, went up to the visit room. They called me for a visit. I go out there. My, we had my own, my own correctional facility in Detroit. I go out there, my cousin, them out there. I see him. He got a beautiful, he with his beautiful female. I told my cousin, I said, that guy right there, gay. I said, he mm. was just on a yard, literally just on a yard, holding hands with the boy. And so I tell, I told my cousin this. I told a few of my friends this. You have to ask that question. Don't hold nobody up. Ask that question. Were you engaged in any type of sexual homosexual behavior while in prison please just be straight up with me mm -hmm. because we can find out you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying because we all know more than one person in prison and that one person usually know you so i told my cousins i told my friends i said just ask them mm -hmm. you know one of my friends asked me she was like, she was like, now nah, I know this is a stupid question because I've been knowing you all my life. But tell me that because I heard the guys be with a lot of time be engaging. I said, I said, and that's right, some guys do, but some guys don't. I said, I'm mm -hmm. one of them guys who don't. I stand ten toes down on who I am. I'm not curious. And I will say this. Because for those who know me, and I'm probably going to, somebody probably going to get mad at me when I say this, <laughs> but I always said, where there's a woman, there's a way. And mm -hmm. there's always a woman around. So there's a way. You know, for me, the, you know, the, well, two things. So let me tell the story real quick. So there was a dude that was in there that was um, doing that. And of course, he didn't get caught at visitation or anything like that. But when he got home, right, him and uh, well, his homeboys and all that were standing out on the block and he pulled up. When he pulled up, there was a dude there that he was incarcerated with. And as soon as he got out of the car with his chick, the dude started laughing like, man, what the hell? Like you was going knee deep inside. You know what I mean? Just put the dude all on blast, right? <laughs> Well, the dude, of course, was embarrassed, pulled out his pistol, shot the dude, and ended up going back to prison for the rest of his life over this incident, which I'm sure, you know, whatever. But for me, I used to see it. I used to see it all the time, man. You, you would, it got to the point to where, it got to the point to where I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't anybody that I was associating with that was going on these, these, these missions. Because I always made sure, my brother, that whoever, the most important thing to me through my whole bid was whoever I sat down and broke bread with were men. You know what I mean? I'll kick the bobo with you, whatever you got going on out on the yard, things like that. But when I sit down at my table, only men sit with me. Right. You know what I mean? And we only break bread because that's, to me, that's, that's sacrificial, you yeah. know? And, and I always wanted to make sure that whoever was sitting down with me, breaking bread with me was 100%. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact, again, like you, you talk about the weakness that we become so so infatuated with attention with uh affection that when we become separated from that we don't know how to handle that 
we can maybe handle it for so long. But I think that tough talking that you're talking about is an individual that knows he's getting ready to break. And he's trying to tough talk this. He's calling him every name in the book. F these punks, you know, all this stuff. And at the end of the day, he knows he's about to break. This is how I see it. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, then it, and, then, and then you'll see it. It'll come a holiday meal, right? Because holiday meals is when we get fed the most. So the whole dorm clears out on the holiday meal. So all you got to do is kick back for a couple minutes, hang out in your cell. You know what I'm saying? And look out the window and you'll see what's going on in the dorm during the holiday meal right. when nobody's in the dorm, right? You'll see people stealing people's stuff out of cell. You'll see all that. Absolutely. So for me, it was, it was, um, I, I just, I just think that this is what prison does to us is like, I've always said prison is going to make you face the things that you've been running from your whole life, <laughs> right? That is what prison is going to do to you. It's going to make you face whatever demon you've been running from. You can't run from it no more because everybody's in your business. There's nothing you can hide from anybody, nothing. And whatever you're hiding is eventually going to end up coming out, you know? So, so what you're saying is that prison exposed you to yourself. No question. It's going to expose your strengths. It's going to expose your weaknesses. Because, for example, you could take a young man who's been very wild all of his life that led him to prison, right? And he get with a certain group of intelligence. And, man, he shined like a star. Because that prison exposed him to itself. And then you could take that man who came to prison, who was into the stuff he was into. He probably wasn't even a tough guy in the street, but he came to prison and he got with a group of guys that manipulated him and he just got to stabbing people. Mm. It exposed him to itself. Then you got that guy who was out in society. He was the ladies man and he was this and he was that. He was sometime a tough guy. And he got in prison and he had that that time, whether it was a year, because a year is a lifetime, whether it was a year or he had that life without parole, a life sentence. And he was like, man, I ain't going nowhere, man. I don't care, man. I'm about to, I'm, listen, if I can get one of them guys to bend over, I'm getting it. Simple as that. It exposed this weakness to himself because he surrendered all of who he is. And sacrifice that to live in this moment. No different than the guy who came and surrounded himself around intelligence. He sacrificed everything he once did prior to that led up to prison. He sacrificed that whole lifestyle to become an intelligent individual. No different than the guy who stabbed, began, became a prison gangster who sacrificed the innocent life that he had. He was sometime only, he only fight when necessary, but he got in prison and he became a bull. Mm -hmm. Sacrificed everything who he once was to become a prison gangster. So this is, these are the things that we go through. We go through that weakness and that strength. It Prison exposes you to who you really are, who you want to be and where you want to go. And it's going to push you in any direction that you want to go. It's going to push you there. And when I say prison, I'm not talking about the administration. I'm talking about the atmosphere, the mindset. Right. It's going to push you. You know, the, I, had a, uh, I had a friend, Angie, who went into prison um, for the very first time as a volunteer. And uh, quick story. We, we, we got to wrap this up. But she goes in and she created a, a disturbance. Right. So what she did, now listen, this is what she did. You, she, she's free world people coming in. She's bringing free, free world food with her, right? They got pizzas. They got all this stuff. They're in the cafeteria, right? So you got these individuals that are in the cafeteria. You know, you know what time it is. We just going for the food, man. Pizza. They got pizza? Man, shit, where do I sign up? Right. You know what I mean? So 
you know, she's got this crowd in there. Now the orderlies, of course, are doing what with that pizza? Them orderlies are trying to stash that. They're trying to bring some of that back to the unit. Yeah, sell it, right? baby. So here goes little Miss Angie. Now little Miss Angie knows that there's extra pizzas back there in the back. So she gets the individuals out in the cafeteria, right? Or however it was, maybe the individuals back in the, in the you know, whoever it was, but she rallied up the individuals, not the orderlies, to go back there and get some of this extra pizza that the orderlies were having in the cut to take back to the compound right now like i explained to angie that's a no-no what you just did because those individuals that you led knew that those orderlies were were housing pizza that's why they souped you up to lead the way so they can ride behind you to get some more of that pizza because they didn't want the orderlies to take it back and sell it they wanted to eat it right. you know what i mean the orderlies are going to get mad because you probably just cost these people a couple hundred dollars you know what I'm saying? So the point of this is that this woman had created tension, right? And this tension that she created is what I am trying to get people to understand. This is the tension that we have on us every day, all day long. That tension that you feel is always there, right? Because she. She, you know, she felt it. And, and there's another individual, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Mr. Craig Powell, he's been going into the prisons for 16 years. And it's like he says, I've seen it. I've seen what you're talking about, but it's never been directed at me. I've right. never felt it. Right. Where this person, Angie, felt it. She knew like, oh, my God, <laughs> I think I'm getting ready to start a riot. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and that is her unique experience with that. So I just wanted to, to share, you know, that, that that was, for me, a profound moment to hear that here is a free world person who's, who's only spent, I think, I think she, she did a clip in, at night in jail or something, you know. But to feel that type of tension that we live through all the time for years and years and decades and how that wears on our mentality, on our yeah. body, our soul. You know what I mean? And going back to what you said from the top, that is why those pictures are so important because those pictures eases that there is no tension then. Yeah. When I'm laying in my bed and I'm looking at that picture, I'm not tense. I'm not stressed. You know what I mean? I'm in a faraway place. Right. And, you know, I, and then, you know, that picture can take you back to moments. You know, when you real sad, that one picture that you took with you and your mother, when you was, when you was uh, putting the two fingers behind your mother's head and she was pissed off at you, right? But y'all found a moment, a moment of laughter in it. Because every time she turned around, you'll put your hands down. That you remember that. That picture took you back there. Like the song by Minnie Rippleton say, uh, mm. I stumbled upon this photograph. It took me way back. See what I'm saying? Back down memory lane. Those pictures, I I I, I lied to you not, man. Pictures saved a lot of lives, man. It saved a lot of lives. And what do I mean by that? And I want everybody to hear what I'm saying, what I mean by the picture, just a steel picture saved the life because that steel picture kept me so calm and kept me so connected and mindful of my goal that when the officer or that inmate pissed me off, I went back to my cell and looked at that picture and it kept me grounded, reminded of my goal. So those pictures, and I'm telling everybody, if you know someone in prison, if they're asking you for pictures, or even if they're not asking you for pictures, please send pictures. This is their connection to reality. This is their connection to sanity. This is their connection to humanity. This is their outlet for calmness and peace. It's those pictures. Please, Send pictures up in the prison system. This is why the prison system don't want certain pictures in there. 
because they want us to be miserable because they understand the psychological effect that pictures have on us while we in there. Send them up in there. That's exactly right, man. So that being said, man, you know, uh, it is, is even, even if you write a letter, right, write a letter. And as you're trying to explain something, take the little bit of time. Like say, if you're trying to explain the new mailbox that you're painting, right? Go out and just take a picture of the mailbox. You may not think that it's significant. You may think that just by writing it down, he'll get it. But if you go out there and take a picture that I promise you, I'm looking at every blade of grass in that picture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm looking at everything and it's just, it is therapeutic. So Demetrius, another great show, partner. Absolutely. Another Go great and show, invite man. you to my podcast, man. As soon as I get it up, I, I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, yeah, no, we're going to get it. And then we'll take, we can take all these shows and load them up there as well and, and yeah. get you, get you crunk. You know, on Tuesday nights, I'm starting, uh, I'm starting a new show with a, with a gentleman by the name of Wolf Dollar Bill. And this new show is called uh, Black and White, Truth, okay. Truth, Truth Verse Fiction. And this is all we're going to be talking about is, is just all the racism going on in every right. aspect, whether it's in sports, whether it's, it's unannounced, unknown. You know what I mean? We're just going to be discussing these things on Tuesday night. So uh, we're going to kick that off and um, see how that goes. But Man, this this show right here is growing, dog. We got we got thirteen viewers through the whole show. See, that's great. Let me see something. Cause I, I posted it on my pages. I posted it on my pages, but I don't know if they think they know that they could uh look at it live. Mm. Yeah, see, they don't know if they could look at it live. I shared it to thirty-two different uh groups. And I usually mm. get a lot of viewers. But you know, yeah, there's only one way to grow this thing, man, and that's to keep doing this thing, man. And people gonna catch on because people gonna understand it that we know different than them, and that we're talking about the issues that everyone is talking about, and we're just having a platform to talk about it on, and and they can they can uh, comment or whatever, and we could answer their comment, answer their questions, whatever it is. Just hey, take care of your business. We're gonna do our part. You do your part. That's right. Amen. Thursday night, get right. Next yeah. week, partner, you take you take care. You stay safe, man. What you got? Absolutely. Is it you gonna get right or you gonna stay wrong? We try to help you get right because as long as we we right, we stand on the side of right. We can't go wrong. God is with us at all times. Peace and love. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. So until next week, partner, you stay safe. For the rest of my listeners, thank you for tuning in, man. Thank you for tuning in. Spread the word. It's Thursday night, get right, man. Save the kids. We out. Peace.